Thanks for listening to the weekly Overflow Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon by Jesse Cup. For more information, visit overflowindy.com or visit us on Facebook at Overflow Indy. Happy Sunday, everybody. Hope you're all doing great and having an amazing Christmas time. Hope you're still celebrating Christmas. Hope you guys had great times with family and friends. Um, You know, Christmas Day has already passed, but let's just keep that season going for a while longer. Honestly, we can just live in it forever, right? Because Jesus is the reason. Um, Hey, uh, this is our this is our last Sunday um, to do service together as a church before the new year. Um, I'm excited, by the way, that we're moving forward towards uh, our building project. And, and things are coming along really nicely. So right now it's looking like we're probably going to be starting church services in our new building mid-month January. And we're excited about this. So we're already trying to get arrangements going for all the different uh, projects that we have to do to get the, get the house in order before we can do that. So we're excited about it. But as we're wrapping up 2020 and we're in the middle of Christmas season, instead of doing a normal sermon today, I actually want to do something a little different uh, with my time with you. Um, I wanted to, in in order to focus on the reason for Jesus coming, it's the gospel of the kingdom. I wanted us to think about the gospel of the kingdom and and the power of it and how it impacts us. And, And as we wrap up 2020, we're going to be launching into 2021. I really feel the centralizing our focus on this very thing is what's going to make it powerful going into the next year. So I felt like the Lord put it in my heart actually to um, introduce you to a book that I wrote a few years back called Unconditional Liberated by Love. And I want to I want to actually read part of a chapter in this book to you guys right now. And that's going to be where my message is coming from is a reading. I hope you guys are good with this. I wanted to give you guys a nice seasonal environment so you can enjoy that while I read my book. So here we go. Unconditional, Liberated by Love, written by Jesse Cup. Yep, I haven't pushed this book much, but I'm starting to realize it's going to be an important book for a lot of people in this season we're going into. Here we go. Chapter 9. It's called God is Judging You. (laughs) God is Judging You. Did you know that God is looking for nothing less than perfection in His people? He is perfect, and anything less than that is not qualified to stand in His presence. His holiness is too pure for things tainted with imperfection. In Exodus 19, God commanded that no one touch His holy mountain except Moses, or they shall die. In 2 Samuel 6, Uzzah attempted to save the ark of the presence from falling to the ground when it nearly dropped off the ox cart. And the anger of the Lord burned against him and instantly struck him dead for touching the ark with unqualified hands. God does not allow imperfection near his holiness. Lucifer was kicked out of heaven because there is no room for pride. Adam and Eve were excommunicated from the Garden of Eden because sinfully tainted people should have no access to the tree of eternal life. The examples are many. These could be very discouraging thoughts for us. Perhaps this is why so few people get to experience the deeper encounters in the inner courts of His holy presence. 
But it is not because of our inadequacies as much as it is as our ignorance of the truth about how God sees things. And as I have said a time or two before, how we view things will determine what we experience. We must learn to examine what He is looking at. You see, as far as God is concerned, if you have set yourself apart to live as a child of God through the one-time, all-encompassing, eternally enduring sacrifice of Jesus, you have been qualified. For by one offering He has perfected for all time those who are sanctified. Hebrews 10.14 Jesus has already made us perfect in His sight, and it is for all time. Our perfection is determined by our choice to be set apart or sanctified unto God through faith. Don't get me wrong. This doesn't mean that everything we do or think is perfect. We still need to be renewed in our minds daily. But God's view of perfection is different from ours. It has nothing to do with anything we have done or not done. It has everything to do with what Jesus has done for us through His perfect and complete work on the cross and our active faith in this. When your old man became crucified with Christ on the cross, see Galatians 2.20, Christ put into you a new perfect spirit, which is the essence of who you are in Him. It is a fusion of your spirit and the spirit of Christ made one. We are continually being outwardly transformed more and more into the image of Christ that already exists inwardly, which in essence means we haven't fully arrived yet in manifested form. However, God chooses to look at us in our state of completion. Declaring the end from the beginning, He says, My purpose will be established, and I will accomplish all my good pleasure. Isaiah 46.10 Paul said, I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. Philippians 1.6 God sees from the front end a perfected son and daughter. And He is committed to make our external world, our thoughts, behaviors, and environments, catch up to our in interior world, a perfected spirit. Galatians 3.27 says, For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. We are all wrapped up in Jesus Christ, and that is what God sees when He looks at us. Between the fact that He presently sees our perfected end product and Jesus Christ covering us all over, we have been officially qualified to stand before Him with confidence. In spirit, we truly are perfect, and that is where it matters most. For He chose us in Him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in His sight. Ephesians 1.4 It is already settled. God has already chosen that those of us who are in Christ would be holy and blameless through Him. This is God's judgment upon us. He judges us as holy. We are without blame. To God, we are perfect, holy, and blameless. It really can't get much better than that. Entries in God's journal. A lot of people believe that God is frustrated and ready to bring His wrath upon them if they do something wrong. They feel like they are walking on eggshells as if they might arouse His uncontrolled anger or deep disappointment in them. I used to really try hard to make sure I was doing my best to keep God happy with me. I've never liked the thought of letting Him down. Little did I know how wrong my thinking was. He was already pleased with me because I am His beloved Son 
He doesn't want us to work for love. He wants us to work from love. God is so much better than we give Him credit for. Yes, there is a wrath from God for sin. However, as we previously discussed, He has already taken it out on Jesus Christ, who bore our sins upon Himself. There will be another day in the future for the great judgment. But we have two things in our favor. One, right now, is not the time of judgment. The first judgment was 2,000 years ago on Calvary, and the next will be in an age yet to come. We are living in the age of grace, which happens to be an eternal virtue. The second thing we have going for us is that we are exempt from that great judgment of wrath altogether. It is reserved for Satan and all who have never abandoned his kingdom in order to enter into God's. See Revelation 20, 11-15. So as children of the Most High God, the wrath of God is not even on our radar. If it's showing up on yours, it's time to scrap that piece of junk and find a new and improved one for your viewing pleasure. My tracking device is homing in on His glory, not His wrath. If you read through the book of Revelation, you will find that the wrath of God has nothing to do with those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Our judgment is not one of wrath, but of reward for the accomplishments we have done on earth. Of all the things that God wants to see in His children, He would never expect anything from us that differs from His ways. Anything God requires from us in character or practice is in accordance with the nature of who He is as a person, and He has bestowed to us His nature. 1 John 4.8 says that God is love. If He is, then we can learn some things about His character in 1 Corinthians 13.4, which says, Love is patient, love is kind. If God is love, then we can equate this to also mean that God is patient and God is kind. 1 Corinthians 13.5 says, Love keeps no record of wrongs. This virtue of love keeping zero records for wrongs begins with God. We all have done, and still at times do, wrong things that offend His heart. Regardless of this fact, as far as He is concerned, we are still holy and blameless before Him. He is not making a list of which of His kids are being naughty or nice, nor does He outsource that job to the North Pole. Under the Old Covenant, we would all be in heaps of trouble. It was a law based on rights and wrongs. It was a system of rules based purely on behaviors, and if you break one law, God considered all broken. For as many as are of the works of the law are under a curse, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law to perform them. Galatians 3.10 Although it was an order that inspired full effort to obtain perfection, it was an external and self-exerted religion. There was no intimacy involving the heart of God in the law. Thank God there's a new covenant. Many years before it was instituted, the Holy Spirit forecasted what the superior one would look like. But this is the covenant which I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and on their heart I will write it, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. They will not teach again each man his neighbor and each man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they will all know me. From the least of them to the greatest of them, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their sin, and their sin... I will remember no more. Jeremiah 31, 33-34 
The new covenant was cut 2,000 years ago in the flesh of the sinless one who bore the sins of the world. Through the shedding of his blood, we now live in freedom according to a law that is based on a heart-to-heart relationship with God. He has forgiven our iniquity, and he does not remember our sins. He would literally have to die again before he would allow himself to remember our sins because covenants last until death do us part. As far as God is concerned, sin is no longer grafted into our nature. When we became one with Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection, our sinful nature died and we were made alive in purity and wholeness. This is why Paul said, Even so, consider yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Romans 6.11 Peace has been thoroughly made between God and us. It is the theme of His covenant. He has tossed aside the old book that archived all wrongs we've done. The only book He is reading up on about you and me is the book of life, which is a journal of all that Jesus has done and is doing in us. The Shepherd's Encounter Imagine that you are a shepherd of old going through the daily grind of the dirty and typically boring routines of the job. Every day you are out in the fields overseeing the sheep with the simple task of keeping them corralled together and watching for predators as they graze the grass. I think it would get pretty mundane. An occasional coyote might actually be welcomed guest just to spice things up a bit. Entertainment would probably sink in such lows as inventing creative games like hopscotching around sheep pebbles. This may be why David kept a slingshot and a harp in his man purse to fool around with. He needed something to occupy his time. He probably got tired of censusing the sheep, a task so tranquilizing it could have knocked him out cold one too many times. The shepherds outside of Nazareth must have been feeling the same way on the night the Savior was born. It was just another round of the same humdrum monotony. If you would ask them, what's up? They would probably just sigh, ah, same sheep, different day. I picture them laying around a campfire, playing tunes while eating rancho beans like the cowboys in blazing saddles. They had no idea any headline news was breaking because to them it was just another dull day in paradise. That is, until the moment an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared before them with a Shekinah glory transfiguring the pitch-dark campsite into a glowing, radiant, ethereal ambiance. This frightened the shepherds probably more than when I used to sneak up behind Grandma while she was watching Frankenstein and yell, Boo! into her only functioning ear. She jumped out of her seat with a scream that scared me right back, and we all got drenched in a shower of Diet Coke and popcorn. These shepherds saw what they would have never expected for themselves and were immediately startled. They were instantly aware of the holy presence of God surrounding them, an experience they could only imagine was reserved for the high priest once a year. They were unworthy of such an encounter and knew the consequences, thus even more reason for fear and trepidation. But the angel proclaimed, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all people. For today in the city of David, there's been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Luke 2.10-11 This angel was informing these lowly men that they need not fear the presence of the Lord anymore. God's terms were changing. Rather than wrath for bringing uncleanness into His presence, He was telling these dirty, unkempt men that they can relax. God was sending good news of great joy for all people, including them. 
it was time for the chapter of the fear of God's wrath to be closed so the new chapter of God's great joy and acceptance could be introduced. Why was this shift taking place? Because the Savior of the world, the promised Messiah, was born and a new era was dawning. Emmanuel was brought into our world. God is with us. Now, mankind would discover that God was in a good mood, desiring great joy for all people. This was as good news. As if that were not enough to blow their grids, their eyes then became opened to see even more. All of a sudden, an innumerous host from heaven surrounded the messenger, filling the air. What had been a dark night sky became like the high noon sunshine as all these angels illumined the entire atmosphere around them. Their glowing garments permeated with the radiant residue of glory that protruded from being in the presence of the throne they had just come from. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom He is pleased. They praised in beautiful harmony. Luke 2.14 They were glorifying God as they proclaimed that He was at peace with men and actually pleased with them. This was quite the shift of revelation for these ranchers. Now they had learned that the Christ was born, bringing great joy, peace, and pleasure from God to all the people on the earth. God not only had bestowed peace upon broken hearts, He announced through His angels that He was at peace with mankind within His own heart. When the angels left to return to heaven, these distressed men were glowing with joy and filled with new purpose. No longer afraid to stand in the presence of God, they went to worship in person the Son of God who was made manifest in flesh. After a warm visit with the newborn King of Kings, they left glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard. These men were probably intimidated by people of higher stature than themselves prior to this night. But after an encounter with Jesus Christ, they became emboldened as the Lord's first evangelist to proclaim His good news. God is judging you. <laughs> it's just not judgment that we should be afraid of. I love this. I love that story. I, I love the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hope you guys enjoyed that story um, I just want to take a few minutes before I close with this just to say that, uh, you know, let's, let's let Christmas season continue. Uh, let's carry on through the new year. Let's wrap up this year um, with, with the, the peace and the joy of the Lord. Let's understand that the reason why Jesus came was because God wanted to declare to you and me that He's pleased with you. He loves you. He wants to give you His peace. I just want to read those verses again that the angels declared to them. Luke 2, 10-12, it says, Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings, or good news, of great joy, which will be to all people. Good news is the gospel. That's the gospel, the good news. It's great joy for all people. That's amazing that God cares so much about your well-being that He wants to give you joy, great joy. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Jesus came to bring great joy to all people, to, to remove fear from our hearts, and especially the fear 
that, that we must be separate from God. The, the great joy comes by, by the Lord reconciling people who are separated from Him, joining us back to the Lord. And in Luke 2.14, the angels declared, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth goodwill toward men. It talks about peace and goodwill toward men, depending on the version you read. But peace on earth, peace and goodwill toward men. That's God's heart, is to give peace to you, to give you goodwill from His heart. He loves you so much. And, and the Lord has peace in His heart towards you. He's not, he's not a bipolar God who's angry and just ready to smite you or to even to punish you or even to distance Himself from you if you get it wrong sometimes. That's not His heart. The, the good news of the grace of God is that He loves you just like you are. And, and His grace, if we receive it by faith, it actually connects us to Him to receive that salvation and, and to receive the, the full benefits of His kingdom and His love. It happens by His grace, but we receive it through faith. Praise the Lord. And I just want to say, like, we all know the times we're in right now, and there's a lot that could really steal our peace. And, and even the world wants to try to give us its version of peace, but we know it's not the real peace. We know it can't do... Uh, it can't give us what only God can. And in, in John 14, 27, Jesus said, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. My peace I give to you. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Jesus has the most peaceful heart in the world, and, and He wants to give you His peace. If you could imagine God in His peace, the amount of serenity that he has, the tranquility that would be in his heart. I mean, Jesus could sleep in the craziest storm, being barraged by waves and wind and rain, torrents of rain. He was sleeping in it peacefully because he had a rested heart because of his, his trust and his peace in the Lord. And, and Jesus said, my peace I give to you. You see, peace doesn't come by... Uh, by, by circumstances, not the kind that God wants to give. You can't, you can't arrange for things in your life to get good enough to give you peace, like true peace. It doesn't matter how, how hard or how good things are, you cannot have true peace unless you find it in the right place. And it's not by things. It's not even by, uh, by any person or by circumstances. It's God. It's God. God can give you peace. He doesn't, he doesn't just want to give you peace. He wants to give you His peace. His peace. He wants to impart His peace to you. As a matter of fact, it's not even like a transfer of Him being a, a person and you're a person and, and it's like separate entities and He transfers it out of His person into your person. Although that would be incredible. It's way better than that. My peace I give to you. It actually happens by the Prince of Peace entering into you and abiding in you that He wants to release and emit the peace of who He is by being in you and letting it fill you from the inside. That's fascinating. So He said, My peace I leave with you. 
my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let your heart not be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And Jesus knew that hard times would come. He knew that there would be evil times, evil people, hardships, whatever it may be. He knew those things would come. He's saying, don't let your heart be troubled. Don't, don't be afraid. My peace I give to you. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I don't give you peace like the world would try to promise it to you. I'm going to give you true peace. The shalom of heaven. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He's the Prince of peace. He rules and reigns in peace. Jesus has the most peaceful heart, the tranquil heart. You cannot shake Jesus. Nothing will shake Him. He wants to put His unshakable, unwavering hope and peace into your heart. And He wants to release good news of great joy for all people. He wants to, he wants to put His joy into your heart. Again, it's not circumstance-based. It's God-based. And as I read a while ago, Jesus somehow in the Spirit, He fused your spirit with His Spirit. If you're born again, He's made you one with Him. So all the qualities of His nature are actually in you and grafted into you. And it's actually your nature more than you know it is. But the Lord wants to help bring us into the revelation and the awareness of the Christ in you. The hope of glory, the Christ in you, actually has fused into you. He has, he's created a union with you where you can draw from His nature and discover that it's actually your nature. It's all about that mind renewal thing. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable will of the Lord. And the Lord wants us to renew our mind, to, to, uh, to, to convince ourselves, to keep rehearsing this truth and meditate on it and declare it that we are in union with Jesus and that Jesus lives in me and I live in Him and I'm one with Him and, and my nature is, is His nature because we're partakers of a divine nature. My old sinful nature actually was crucified with Jesus on the cross. That's the good news of why Jesus came on Christmas. So I just declare to you again, in Jesus' name, the same words that the angel said, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings, good news, the gospel of great joy, which will be to all people. There is nobody exempt from receiving the joy of the Lord through the good news. For there is born to you this day in the city of David, a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Now we all know Jesus is not a baby anymore. He grew up and He died on the cross, but He's not even on the cross anymore. He resurrected and He ascended and He seats at the right hand of the Father. And He prays for you daily. And, and, but, but we're seated in the heavenly places in Christ and we get to enjoy that union with Him, but we've got to believe it. We've got to stop trying to get a hold of, like to, to try to arrive to a place as if we're separated from it, we're distant from it, and we've got to bridge that gap. Jesus already bridged that gap on the cross, and He reconciled 
you and me to himself. Hallelujah. It's good news. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace and goodwill toward men. God releases his peace to you. And he's at peace in his heart toward you. He's not holding anger towards you. As I read a while ago, I believe it was in Jeremiah, the, the, the prophet uh, declared hundreds of years in advance about the new covenant that Jesus, that God was going to make through Jesus. He's going to remember your sins no more. Like he, he has peaceful thoughts towards you. But, but we've got to engage. We've got to believe. We've got to receive this grace by faith. And, and let me say, like, we, we might sin still at times. This is not permission to sin. Sin is not going to separate you necessarily from God unless you choose to let that happen. But it can certainly um, disconnect you from that heart-to-heart connection. It can put you into a, a delusion of who you are and make you believe things about who you are and who He is that's not right. And the Lord wants to help us uh, recalibrate back to our, our core primal reality in Christ. It's, it's that we're one with Him. And He's given us His nature to live from, and that can actually develop in us. That's why we need to renew our minds. So if we sin, like, repent and confess it. Do not allow yourself to continue in it. But know that He forgives you. Like quicker than it can get out of your mouth, He forgives you. But I just want to remind us, guys, as we close out 2020, like, yeah, people, people think this is the worst year of history. And in a lot of ways, it probably has been. But, but you know what? I just want to encourage you to, to finish this year strong, knowing that uh, 2020, like, whatever, whatever happened, That's not what we're looking at to close out this year. Let's finish it strong knowing that Jesus is the King and that He he died on the cross and He resurrected so that we can live in great power to bring His kingdom on this earth. We get to release this. We get to live from this. I want us to finish this year strong in that grace, in that union, experiencing that peace of God. He says, my peace I give to you. Let's receive that you got to take time. Like, don't just know it and go about your busy life. Take time to, to drink that in. Take time to meditate on it. Take time to let Him minister that to you and to lavish you with His love and His goodness, His joy, His peace. Finish your year in that place. It doesn't mean that we don't uh, that we should quit fighting for things that we need to see breakthroughs in. It just means let's fight from freedom, fight from love, fight from peace. That's how we're going to be able to release that peace into the world that we're longing to see. (laughs) 